This is the Get Stuck In Podcast. Get Stuck In Podcast is a mentality. It's how you approach every single day. It's how you wake up in the morning. It's how you go to bed at night. It's how you approach every single player you coach. Are you ready to get stuck in? Okay, welcome to Get Stuck In. I am Mark Davis. We are joined here with James Jarmello, my good friend. We have known each other for uh, a very long time. I think I was on your team when we were three years old. Yep. No joke. I, I, the, First team ever. The day I moved back from Southern California to, to Utah, uh, we just were looking for an indoor league, something, and James and I got put on the same team. My dad coached the team. We had your dad. Yep. Your dad was the head coach, assistant coach. I have the picture still at home. Me too. I was trying to find it. Yeah, it it's absolutely amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, dude, a lot of times we played each other when you were at Mountain View as well. Yep. Played each other in club. And, and uh, I am a year older, but you played a year up Yeah. and everything. So Played a lot together, man. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. incredible. Um one thing that I always think about, and I was just when I was driving in today, was just thinking about like how crazy it is that um, I have a five, my my son turned five today, yep. and my other kid's seven, and I'm like, how insane is it? How insane is it that relationships they could have in their classes or on their teams could be a long lasting relationship with someone that they could have for the rest of their lives? Seriously. And that, I mean, that's one of the biggest pros of of being in the same place at the same time uh, or, or living somewhere for a long time is because you get to develop those relationships and it's, it's incredible. Definitely. So, um, James, I love what you do, man. Um, I think you have an insane Instagram following. Uh, you're so good to your players. Uh, JJ soccer. Is it just JJ soccer? Is that JJ soccer? Yep. JJ soccer. And you work out of uh, a, what a warehouse or what is it? Yeah, it's a it's basically a warehouse. It's a, my friend Jerry Pennock's business. So I just have a court in there that I use. I've been using it for like six years now. That's incredible, man. And you you're pretty selective on the kids that you work with, or do you work with anyone and everyone? I'm pretty selective. I have a pretty big list right now. I'm training over a hundred kids, um, but I have about three four hundred on a wait list. That's amazing. So, um, I am pretty selective, you know, it's usually just most of the time players that I get are just recommended to me, either from DOCs or coaches or, that's awesome. you know, friends. That's do you, awesome. Do you have a criteria on the players you pick? I know, like you say, like somebody can, rec- somebody can rec- recommend, recommend a kid. Mm-hmm. What's your criteria on picking the kid? Um, like what makes you, you know, what makes them pass that week? I usually ask around, you know, yeah. I'll ask their friends and for me it's attitude. It's like, gotcha. is this kid going to be willing to work? Okay. You know, yeah. one of the things that bugs me the most is if I work with someone one week and then next week I can tell they haven't touched the ball the whole week, you know. Yeah. It's like I'm wasting their time and they're wasting my time, you know, sort of thing. So I just I want to make sure that they're serious about it before I start training them. So cool. that's honestly the one thing I look at. What would you say, what's your main thing? And I, and I think I kind of already know it, mm-hmm. but uh, what's your main thing where you, you have kids that, 
you know, that already have signed letters of intent or verbally committed mm -hmm. from very young ages. Mm -hmm. And you tend to do similar stuff with these kids all the time. What keeps these kids coming back? I mean, they're, they're waking up at four in the morning, these girls that have, uh, you know, signed um, at big time universities. What makes these kids come back? You know, I just try and run trainings that keep them engaged the whole time, make them think, but it's also repetition. Everything has to be repetition. So I think the toughest part about, you know, training some of the top players, you know, two to three times a week is how can I keep them, like, engaged and how can I keep them, you know, interested in what we're doing and also work on the fundamentals because that's really what makes great players is if they're good at the fundamentals, you know, you can't get anywhere without that. What's the farthest place someone has ever traveled to train with you? Oh, man. I've had people fly from California. I've had people flying from Washington. Um, consistently, people drive probably the furthest is from like Ogden area down to Orem. So it's awesome, man. That's yeah. big time. Um, what? Give me, give me a couple players that you're very proud of on the male side or the female side locally. Um, you know, if you could say, and, and and I know there's lots. I know there's lots, but I know there's, um, you know, some of those players that. When you got them, they were maybe not where they're at. They're 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 at a, a much higher level than when you started with them. Yeah. Who are those players that you would want to give a shout out to? Man, there's just there's so many that I train that are so good, you know. Um, but whenever I talk about it, you know, I have to give credit to Debbie Debbie Dudley because she's the first girl I really ever started training consistently, you know. And I at that point, you know, we'll probably get into this a little later, but. I, I hated soccer because, you know, I got injured and I felt that, you know, I put in all this work and didn't really get any pay cut pay out of it, you know, um, which is crazy to me now because of, I get to do what I love because, because of the sport, you know. Um, but once I started, Debbie, just her parents um, just kept, you know, were persistent with me when I needed it and I just kept training her and training her and once she got on the national team, dude, it was like, I realized I could quit my other jobs and like, just do this full time, you know? Um, so she's amazing. You know, you got, geez, that 04 class girls is just, they're next level, man. I truly believe that in this area in Utah, like, we could produce, you know, one of, if not the best players in the world, you know? Girls going into college, you got like Brecken, you know, who I know you've coached before. Yep. Dude, she is unreal, man. You know, she can finish. You know, you got like Ellie Walbrook, Sierra. I mean, all these girls that wake up at, like, like, like you said, they wake up at 4.30, 5 a.m. to go train. And they're the ones who get me up, dude. I'm, I'm never the one who schedules it. They, they schedule it. I'm not that crazy, dude. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, these girls are, I, what I love about, I love these girls. I mean, these girls, yeah. I mean, they're just, they're always around the game. They're always switched on. It's they pretty, are. it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I, um, I first met Debbie when I was coaching ODP and I only coached for one year. And mm -hmm. so I was with that age group and yeah. she was special. So, you know, a couple of other girls there, you know, Caroline from up North as oh, well. She's and, and like you said, you know, the, you know, the rest of them, but what, one of the things that, um, you know, there are a lot of personal trainers out there, James, mm -hmm. and, and you talked a little bit about um, 
maybe building a relationship with these players yeah. outside of soccer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how has that worked for you? And, and uh, is that a big part of why they keep coming back and training with you? Yeah, I mean, for I would say for the women's side especially, you have to build a, like a relationship with these girls. They have to feel like it's more than just soccer, you know. It's, they have to, you want to make it feel like a community for them, you know. Like, I just came in, I was like, I told you guys, I was up till midnight watching Bachelor with them, you know. It's like, <laughs> you know, you, and, but the cool thing is I know I could probably text them at 5 a.m. and say, hey, girls, get up, let's train, you know. Um, I would never do that to them, but. Um, they're not, they're, they're just, like he said, the switch is always on for these girls who are at the top level. Um, and it's just the only thing that the only, what I tell people is when they say what makes players great, the only correlation that I see between great and, you know, what they actually do is just how much time they put in. Really. If you look at the girls who are the best, they're like, they're either training or they're trying to get their schoolwork done so they can get good grades so that they can go to a great college or they're running or they're lifting or they're hanging out with their friends who also play soccer, you know? So that's my mentality is like, I'm, I'm all in dude. And if you're going to train with me, that's kind of what I hope for, you know, obviously there's going to be times when you can't get to trainings or, you know, there's, there's, but it's, should be a rare case, right? I couldn't agree more. Honestly, especially <laughs> the women's game, I feel like if you are dialed in at a young age, mm-hmm. you there is no question. Mm-hmm. If you were switched on at under eights, under sevens to U19, the amount of opportunity that you're going to have yeah. is going to be insane. And I actually think on the men's game as well. Yeah, on the sure. men's game as well. I just think uh, there, there. I mean, it's obvious. There's more opportunity in the women's game, yeah. and that's great. Yeah. But the men's game, you think about the state of Utah in the last ten years. We've yeah. added uh, what five programs, yeah. um, and so you know, hopefully, this next decade, you know, you can look at you know your BYU's, your Utahs, mm-hmm. uh, your Utah States, your Southern Utahs. I mean, mm-hmm. these are all programs that are just waiting. If an athletic director or a president of a university decides, hey, we want to fund soccer, mm-hmm. it's ready. And it would be successful right away, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, you look at, you look at um, you know, D2 men's soccer here has been very successful. JUCO soccer here has been very successful. Um, and then Utah Valley has done a very good job, too, and they've been successful as well. So it's been successful at all, all levels, and it would continue to be successful. Mm-hmm. Sure. Let's dive in, James, a little bit to um, your youth. Um, being a Utah youth soccer player, you also guest played a lot in, in Southern California, and you bumped back and forth between playing in Southern California and here for tournaments. But you were, I mean, you played UISA soccer yes. your entire life. Yes. Your dad teaches at West Jordan High School. Yep. An absolute stud, mm-hmm. a great example, um, and just put you in a good situation. But... Um, like a lot of us that grew up in that time, soccer is so different from when we grew up and from, and it's not like we're that old yeah. from now. I mean, you couldn't find soccer on TV. Nope. Um, there was, years ago, was there was so three crazy. proper clubs in the state, yeah. every age group. I mean, you could have, you could have said guaranteed these are the teams that are going to be in the semi semifinals. These are the kids that are going to be in the ODP pool. This is, I mean, it was pretty predictable. Yeah, it was. Um, and so, 
let's talk a little bit about just you growing up and, and what you did to pr- put yourself in a good situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, and guest playing on teams and just putting yourself out there. Yeah, I, uh, so I, first team I was ever on was Rangers, which I, who I knew you played for, and then I switched over to Sparta, and then I finished with a team called Answer, which is now Apex Club. Um, but at the same time, I always guest played with, and, and you know this, I was guest playing with Rangers places, I was guest playing with, you know, as many teams as I could. My dad always... Celtic in yeah. Southern California. I remember yeah. a tournament. I remember a tournament. I was there yeah. watching my sister play. Yeah. And, and I turn around and it was, it was you like running at me. Like, Mark, what's <laughs> up, man? I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And there's no Utah teams there. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm guest playing. You should have guest played with us. And yeah. yeah I, mean, I was like, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it's like, I mean, my dad was huge on that. And it's it's a lot different now, like, Clubs like to protect their players so they don't let them go train with everyone. But for me, I feel like that was a huge part in why I was successful. And it was my dad who set that up. You know, I wasn't the one calling all these coaches, you know. But I was training with four or five different teams a week, dude, always, you know. And then on some weekends, I'd fly out and train with California teams. I played for Patty Dores out there. And I actually switched full-time to Patty Dores, you know, my U16, U17 year, I think. Awesome. And, um... You know, so so I'm just big on train with as many, you know, different players, as many different coaches with high levels, with low levels, you know. And I do that in my own trainings, you know. I'll throw really good players with players who maybe need a little, little work, you know, and see how they respond. You know, because you get to a college program, there's going to be great players. There's going to be, you know, players that need work. And... As a leader, if you want to be a leader at these programs, you know, at a top 10 program like yours, you know, you have to be that player who can raise the level of those, you know, players that need work rather than drop down to their level. Absolutely. You know? I love that. I love that you train different levels of players together. I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, when I was in high school, I had a hard time because I felt like the level was crap, and I was always like, yeah, I just can't wait to get back to club. I just can't wait to get back with my friends in club. And I, I regret that because I feel like I could have been such a better player if I would have embraced the high school, embraced the, the more athletic. Yeah. Hey, the high school game's more athletic. Hey, the, the high school game's more direct. Okay. Now it's yeah. time to now it's time to adapt yeah, and go play in the high school level. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my coach doesn't have a license and is actually the basketball coach. Okay, now it's now it's time to adjust and yeah. and, and and change and, and get after it and and raise other people up and maybe learn other different life skills like being a better leader or, or getting getting uh, you know the team to buy into a certain type of system or whatever the coach is trying to you know, sell. I mean, yeah, I, there's sure. a lot of skills you can learn. I love that. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's, that's kind of my main philosophy, man. You got to be able to train with anyone, you know? So talk to me about, talk to me about the, the college recruitment process. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously most people know you, uh, you started your college career at, U, at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's almost every kid's dream that grows up on the West coast yep. to play at UCLA. And that was something that I remember when I heard the news, being a young kid, that you were going to UCLA. It it gave me so much like, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> hey, this is amazing. Like one of our own mm-hmm. just got recruited to play at UCLA, and, it, and there was a level of pride um, yeah. because uh, you know 
that didn't happen. Yeah. That didn't happen. I, I mean, I can't tell you uh, four years earlier, four years later, anyone that got, you know, a big time Pac-12 offer. Yeah. Um, talk to me about that process on, on w- was it when you were with Pats or was it with when you were guest playing or playing with Rangers mm-hmm. or, or even playing at Mountain View? I remember people saying that, oh, the UCLA coaches flew down to go watch a high school game or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Talk to me about that process. So it was a pretty cool process, actually. Um, I think it was when I was 14 years old, their assistant coach. He wasn't their coach yet. His name was Paul Bravo. He's a big-time player. Um, he got the um, assistant job when I was – so I played for him when I was 14. He cut me from the region team that year. I didn't go travel. I didn't, you know, I didn't get a chance to make the national team that year. You know, nothing cool happened because he cut me, actually. Um, and he wasn't UCLA's coach, so I wasn't too stressed because also when I was eight years old, my dad took me to a UCLA soccer camp, and I knew from that week that that's where I wanted to go, and I was willing to do anything it took to get there. You know, um, so this guy cuts me. I'm at Western Regionals. I'm walking by one of the fields, and I see him. And I start talking to him, and also I'm like, dude, why are you wearing UCLA stuff, you know? He's like, oh, I coach there now. I was like, oh, there we go. You know, there goes my dream. This is this guy just cut me last year. <laughs> you know, so, like, fast forward a year and a half, I just kept working and uh, made the region team a couple years ago when we were out at um, Disney, you know, that tournament out there. Yeah. Um, it was huge. We, were, we played against Benfica. We played against the Canadian national team. Um, we were, like, in the super group. So I'm playing there. I, I see him. He's watching, you know, and get home, and boom, there's a letter from, uh, an email from him, you know, and he's like, we really like your improvement over the last year and a half, you know. So he recruited me basically on my improvement, and he was like, if you keep improving at this rate, you know, we'd love to have you at UCLA, you know. it's awesome. Um, so he was actually the one that recruited me, you know, and then my first day there, he actually got the LA Galaxy job, so he wasn't there while I was there. But That's tough. That's it, was, good. it was a pretty cool process. Yeah, that's tough in college athletics uh, mm-hmm. that that can happen mm-hmm. quite frequently with a lot of players. Yeah. You know, they get recruited three, four years out, and mm-hmm. then the day they show up on campus – they're not there. It's a new guy or a new 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 coach and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. It's pretty pretty uh pretty strange process. You gotta you, learn to adapt. You gotta learn to adapt. <laughs> um so talk to me about talk to me about your freshman year at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Getting to UCLA um at the time, so two thousand five is when Real Salt Lake was there. You were a senior in high school in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. You were training with Clint Mathis, Eddie Pope, Jason Christ. You were tr- you were you were an everyday training player. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that process, and then talk to me after you talk to me about that Real Salt Lake process. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the LA Galaxy process. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it was the the same team that I got cut from on that region team. Uh, the guy I played in the middle with the whole week. He ended up making the national team. He got drafted to Real Salt Lake when we were sixteen. Nicholas. Nick Bizzano. Yeah, yep. he was he was unreal. You know he's. He had a tough pro life, but he was unreal. Um, so he gets number one draft pick overall. Dude, he calls me from that from when he got drafted, and he goes, dude, you're coming to every training with me, man. You know, his his national team co- U.S. national team, team coach was John Ellinger at the time. That was the RSL coach. So I get a call, like, the next day from RSL, and they're like, Nick wants you at trainings with him. 
So boom, I was. I remember I was only 15, he was 16. My dad had to drop me off at practice. You know, as soon as I get out, RSL's best players, they, he looks at me and says, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Nick's friend James. He goes, if you don't pass me the ball every time you get it, you're never stepping on another MLS field again. <laughs> so that was kind of my uh, first day with them. And dude, they were, they, I trained with them, you know, whenever I was back from college, I trained with them from the time I was 15 years old and up, and that's where I wanted to play, dude. It was my dream. Um, didn't end up happening because of an injury, you know, but um, I would say, so that's how I got in, you know, and it was just with building connections, dude. That's what I tell these young players. You have to put yourself out there. You've got to meet people because everywhere I got, I feel like I put in the work, but it was someone else who got me there, if that makes sense. You know, it was... Sure someone I called or someone I texted and say, hey, can you get me in here, you know? Um, and if you put in the work and they like you, then they're going to keep you, you know? It's those players that show up mm -hmm. are the players that generally get what's good coming to them. I yeah. mean, I, I remember uh, when I was head coach of Real Salt Lake Women, uh, there were girls that would just show up to train. Like, they would just turn up yeah. and, hey, can I, can I play and train? And yeah. a lot of times the answer was no, but a lot of times the answer was yes. Yeah we needed an extra body and and these girls were able to position themselves in a very good situation and mm -hmm. you know a lot of respect goes out to those to those types of kids that go out and just go freaking go for it I mean that's what it's all about sometimes yeah um talk to me about your freshman year at UCLA and just kind of the experience kind of walk me through this yeah so I uh I was sped through high school so I, I graduated a half year early um and it's just because a lot of my kids, a lot of kids my age were doing that at the time. So I got there when I was, you know, I was either 17 or I just turned 18. I was pretty young. Um, it was me and another, this U.S. national team player. His name was Kyle Nakazawa, just an unreal player. So we roomed together, and I remember that I was, it was a wake-up call, dude. College soccer is a wake-up call for everyone, you know. And not only that, it was... I was from Orem, Utah, living in Los Angeles, you know, in Beverly Hills with like just a crazy lifestyle. So I had to learn how to kind of manage, you know, hanging out, trying to meet people and then trying to find my way on this soccer team that was loaded with like, I think it was at the time I was there, we had 23 youth national team players, dude. It was insane. Um, I mean, you go down in practice and you know a national team player is going to replace you. So you can't go down, you know. Um, so I went there half year early, you know, and I, I worked my butt off. And I remember that summer I was running 10 miles a day and training with RSL every day. Dude. Just, I just knew I had to put in the work if I wanted to play my freshman year. Um, so freshman year started, you know, I got in the first like four or five games. Um, you know, I'd play about 20 minutes a game and Tony Beltran played in front of me and he went down uh, and ended up having to get surgery that year. Uh, so, man, I remember it was against, my first start was against Stanford, you know, and they were a top 10 team at the time. We were top 10. And it was just, it was such an amazing experience, dude. I'll never forget that first game I played in college soccer because I, kinda, I finally felt like, man, all this work is, you know, paying off finally, dude, you know, so. That freshman year, you know, about two games later, I, I hit a game-winning goal against Washington. They were, like, the only unranked team, and our team just took off, dude. And we made it to the national championship. 
Um, I played all the way throughout uh, until the semifinals. I, I hurt my knee and had to get knee surgery, so I went through four knee surgeries too as a player. And uh, was Tony healthy by then? Tony was back. Yep. So he was actually playing like right back at the time, I think. And then I don't know, dude. It, like I said, man, it was so many good players. Yep. But we actually started seven freshmen that year, and oh. all of us played for Patty Doris together. Almost all of us. Um, it's incredible. And yeah. So that's kind of my freshman year there, dude. When uh, in sophomore year, I, I'm. Mm -hmm. This is. When did the injury take place? When the sophomore year? When does the whole St. Louis thing kind of come into to play? Um, you know, kind of your uh, like. I mean, you ha you have this part of your history that mm -hmm. I I've always respected about you, mm -hmm. where you've been super open with yeah with everybody. It's like, hey, yeah. this is what I've gone through. This is yeah. what uh, I've been through a living hell. Yeah, and and. Football has been the greatest blessing in my life, but also at one time it was the thing I hated the most. For sure, man. When did this all happen? Because you have this incredible yeah. freshman season. Yeah. Uh, you know, play all the way. Do you guys play in the national championship national or semifinal? Championship. Yeah. Lost Go in the championship. all the way to the national championship mm -hmm. as a freshman, playing significant minutes, getting a game winner. Now, when when does when did things start to spiral? Yeah. Um, I think it was that off season, man. I just did not agree with everything. So the coach there was Jorge Salcido, who just got in trouble for the whole bribe thing. And that stuff was going on while I was at UCLA, man. It was, I did not like his character, you know, and I was open about it. And I don't think he appreciated that. He still, I played in every game my sophomore year, but he would like put me in after five minutes or just like, just to mess with me, dude. So I was like, I'm out of here. Went and had a meeting with him. I said, I want out. Um, I had like five recruiting trips lined up to you know all the top universities and St. Louis at the time was unreal, dude. I mean, it had Tim Ream was on the team, so I played with Tim Ream and there was about seven other pros at the time that were on that team. Um, and I flew out there and I had the other four uh, trips planned and they just like, dude, they showed me the greatest time. Gave me an apartment right by the field. Like my backyard was our field. The stadium that we practiced and played in was the stadium that I played the national championship in. It was like an unreal stadium. So, you know, I just loved everything about it. Um, transferred there. Um, I honestly think that junior team, I had the St. Louis team while I was a junior, was probably the best team I ever played on, dude. They were, we didn't, we didn't lose for our first, I think it was 14 games. You know, we were top two, three in the nation the whole time. Um, what was your main position at St. Louis? I was an attacking mid there, yeah, and then they moved team. me to right back. Okay. Um, so I played a little bit of everywhere. At UCLA, I was a defensive mid. Um, so, yeah, I played and my entire senior year. Um, I think, I think I don't know if it was like pros told my coach or someone told my coach we want to see him at right back, but put me back there, and I loved it, dude. Um, so that's kind of where I finished my career. About four games left. Um, of your junior season? This is my senior year. Okay. So junior year went great. I think we made it to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or something. Um, senior year comes around, you know, I was stoked, man, because I felt like I put in the work. I, While I was in St. Louis, I was training with Kansas City um, at the time. 
what, who was that? Sporting KC? Yeah. yeah that's, there, that's, then there was the Wizards. There was the Wizards, yeah. too, so I was trying to figure out who it was. When, but anyways, <laughs> um, yeah, so I trained with them. You know, I'd been training with Royal Salt Lake. I felt like I had put myself in a good position to at least get a shot, you know, at playing professional, you know. I don't know if I would have made it or not. That's a whole nother level. You know, you never really know until you're there. Um, but four games left, man, I just, uh, we were, it was actually, we were warming up for the game. It was the night before the game, and we were training on their field, and it was just like a hard turf field. And I don't remember it, obviously, but people say I, I was sprinting, I got tripped, and I s didn't catch myself, and my head just bounced off the ground. And... I messed my life up for a while, dude. Like, it, it really messed with me. I couldn't even finish classes. I had done well in school, so all my teachers gave me my midterm grades, you know, and they let me graduate. I don't think I would have been able to graduate because of how much, now looking back, of how much I had to relearn. It's like, it's nuts, dude. And then I also got told I could never play soccer again because if a doctor were to clear me and I got hurt, I mean, they would, ne they would never do that. So, yeah. Well, how... Did were you? Was that it? Did you ever? Did you ever get to put on the St. Louis jersey ever again? Was that your oh, last no. college that soccer game? Last that was soccer it. Game. I had, you know, was I had it ambulance or was it kind of like? Um, because I mean, in the last ten years, yeah. uh, concussion protocol has gone yeah, way true. up. It's changed. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. talk about you know growing up in West Jordan or whatever. Like, yeah. oh yeah, he just got his bell rang. Like yeah. he's fine. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. It's changed, it's, it's not yeah. a lot of a lot of things have changed. Was this was this like did everyone on the team know like oh this was like ambulance come or did coaches take you to the doctor? I mean, how did that happen? No, it was like you know I was out and the trainer came out and was like you know how long were you out and I was like I don't know how am I supposed to, you know thirty seconds maybe I don't know people told her like thirty seconds. And so I, I remember I, at that time, it was like I walked off and they ended up taking me to a doctor um, there for their team. Their team had a doctor and I remember my coach came in and was like, what did the doctor say to you? So he was like, they're telling, I mean, I, every time I stood up at this point, I was throwing up. I couldn't stand. Jeez. Um, my, my vision went, dude. Like I had good vision and it just went that day, you know. Um, and I, I remember telling him, hey, I can't play. You know, they're saying I can never play again. This is, like, really bad. And he was like, I don't care what the doctors say. Like, how do you feel? You know, <laughs> that's that's his response, you know. And he apologized for that later. But that was the mentality at that time, dude. I'd been knocked out so many times and just went back in and played. I was a physical player, you know. Um, so that was the mentality at the time, dude. And I don't think everyone really realized the – the after effects head injuries had on people and it's really affected me you know but how how has it affected you james long term i mean oh, this is man. 10 plus years now yeah i mean dude i deal with a lot of things that i i had a because i worked hard and i trained hard you know i had a pretty awesome childhood where i was traveling everywhere i had people you know helping me with everything so I had a pretty stress-free life people were psyched to see you yeah all the time yeah it was a pretty stress-free life you know and once I got hurt dude and it was it was weird man my emotions started going up and down up and down you know and all of a sudden I was having to deal with all this stuff um emotionally 
that I'd never had to deal with before. I'm talking depression, you know, anxiety, all that sorts of stuff. Um, I would just, for four months at a time, I would just go off. I just would not talk to anyone. I wouldn't talk to my family, you know, and so not only did I have to relearn how to like cope with things, you know, everyone close around me has learned, has had to learn how to deal with me too, you know, because I get emotional more than most people, you know, um, and I'm, like you said, I'm very upfront with people. I let them know my history. Um, but yeah, dude, I just, I deal with a lot of stuff like that now that I just never had to deal with before I got injured. And it still affects you. I mean, that injury that happened and that mm-hmm. fall beginning of that match has affected your, yeah. the last 10 years, every my single life, day. Man. Yeah. When did things start to spiral with uh, the use of with drugs? I don't know yeah. to what extent, but uh, you've told me. I mean, your yeah. your your lowest of low point yeah. was in Salt Lake, and yeah. know, things were not yeah. going in a in a good direction. Yeah. But I mean, talk to that spiral and, and more along talk along those lines too. I I think just give the history of it, and then we can talk a little bit more on like. Hey, I mean, it's how slippery of a slope it is. Like you do yeah. it once, I mean, it can. Yeah. You're. You're done. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So after those injuries, um. Like, like it wasn't a big deal back then. Head injuries, they just expect you to rebound. So I was doing. Take five ibuprofen and just rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. Um. But, so then they told me I couldn't play right for good. They didn't realize that I was probably still need you know, help from doctors to deal with all these new things going on with me. Um, so I'd always gotten good grades and um, there was a guy who, who I wanted to be my agent when I was a soccer player and, and he was always really close with me. He said, you know, go to law school and, you know, come work for me. And I was like, that'd be sweet. You know, I could go, you know, work, at least be around all the people I know my whole life and help them out, you know, in a different, different way. So went to law school um, and that's kind of really when I started to spiral man I I couldn't deal with you know the migraines I was getting I couldn't deal with my emotions and then add to that you know 500 pages of reading a week and 12-hour tests dude it was it was way too much for me at the time you know um, so doctors at the time uh, were prescribing me pain meds, you know, anything, you know, I had, they, they prescribed me everything. I couldn't focus. I was in pain. I couldn't sleep. I, you know, I got prescribed probably over 70, 70 different medications. Um, so I was going to all these doctors, people were trying to figure out what was going on with me. Um, and when I hit 26 years old, um, my life had spiraled so bad that like I wasn't working at the time my relationship with my family at the time had gone because of the way I was acting. No one wants to be around someone who is putting their life in danger 24 seven, you know, it's just not something you want to be around. And I understood that. So I got cut off from my doctors basically too. Um, and then it really spiraled, you know, I ended up in rehab. Um, and then I ended up turning to heroin, you know, and that put me on the streets, man. I was, I was, you know, couch surfing with anyone who'd let me stay at their house and in between, you know, players' parents were picking me up and having me train their kids and then dropping me off, you know, at 
you know, friends' houses, or and they'd try and help me out however they could. But like I said, I, I don't think I wanted too much help at that time, you know, because I could, at that point in my life, I just was like, I'm not going to be able to do anything, dude. Like, this head injury has just got me so messed up. No one understands me. I don't even understand myself, you know. Um, and then, um, so that's kind of the spiral, spiral yeah. part. What's the, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Um, talk to, talk to us about, I mean, majority of people that are listening are going to listen to this podcast, you know, have never have experimented with, yeah. with basically anything, yeah. let alone heroin. But I yeah. mean, talk to me about the, like how slippery of a slope that is, James. I mean, how fast can that, how fast can things kind of derail? Dude, it can, for some people, so I still go to, um, all sorts of meetings for addicts. I'm still in an outpatient re- four years. You know, I've been going to this outpatient program. I go see a doctor, you know, once a month. I go see therapists there. You know, I, you know, I pay, I volunteer and I pay my own money for it just to keep me safe, dude. Like, I know if I slip up, I can go talk to them. I know, you know, and they've really, really, really helped me out. You know, um, and. As I go in there every day and I see new people come in, I see people who've been there forever, it is such, you know, it's a very slippery slope, man. You start going out, you start partying, it's really, you start surrounding yourself with people, you know, who don't want what's good for you. And I think that that's kind of, it just changes your life, dude. If you're living that type of lifestyle, you know, it's going to change your life whether you like it or not, you know. What was um what was the lowest point that you ever had? Lowest point was in Salt Lake, um about four years ago now, yep. Um, I got arrested. Um I was just, you know, I just was on some random street corner and you know, trying to find my next fix and I got it and a cop was watching and yeah, I got cuffed and, you know, thrown in a cop car. And instead of taking me to jail, the cop was just like, you don't seem like, you don't seem like the, the regular type of people we pick up out here. Like, what's your story, dude? Um, and he took me on about a two hour drive and just talked to me, you know, and that cop saved my life because he gave me another chance, dude. You know, I didn't end up really getting an arrest record or anything for it. And he just said, if I see you out here again, it's not going to be the same. And that changed my life, dude, for real, you know, and I met, you know, I met Jenna, and then, you know, we had a kid, and so it's something that I have to work to not, you know, mess up, but um, I'm proud of it in my life, dude, it's, it's really made me a stronger person, I feel like, I feel like I can deal with anything if I could deal with that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> what I like, what I like about this, uh, James, number one, is you've turned a negative into a positive, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the that's the thing is, is I mean, your your trajectory was yeah. was homeless, mm-hmm. like done, Dead. right? Dead. And all my friends who I, you know, I'd say ninety five percent of the people I hung out with at that time are dead now. And you were able to t- turn that into now something that you're able to help mm-hmm. hundreds, mm-hmm. hundreds of you soccer players. Yeah. And you don't shy away from the truth mm-hmm. at all. You're a hundred percent honest yeah. with them, with their parents. Mm-hmm. You 
you don't uh, you don't mask anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think it would be so easy to to mask it all. Yeah. Why? Man, because like I said, I had such an easy childhood. You know, when it, I had my parents were amazing, dude. I mean, it wasn't easy. I worked hard, but it was just easy. You know, and I didn't appreciate. You know, I really judge people that I ended up being at that time. I judge them like bad. You know. Um, you know, I'd say, oh, that guy does this, don't hang out with him, you know, which is, you know, I would, to the point, be like, don't talk to them, you know, and then I ended up that person who was a drug addict on the street, no friends, and it just made me empathetic, and so when I started meeting people, you know, number one, I didn't want, you know, I didn't want them to hear about my past life from from someone else, so I'm usually just up front with people and say, hey, listen, you know, this is what I've been through. And the people who knew me through that time in my life, they, it, it didn't change me. I wasn't a bad person to anyone, you know, and I think a lot of people see well, that. Well, we saw each other quite frequently during, yeah, those t- during that time. time. Yeah, all a the lot. time. And it didn't really make me different. I was hurting, though, you know. And so when I just meet people, I just feel like, you know, I got to be transparent with them. I just need, I need to build trust. I guess that's probably the the answer I'm looking for here is trust dude it's everything in a, in a trainer or as a coach player relationship you know it comes down to trust you know it's it's the most important thing in a relationship I think what do you think the number one thing how to build trust is it honesty honesty yeah just being honest being transparent um even if it's bad dude you know like just let them know and it usually ends up building a better relationship. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, there's a lot of things, times where I'm like, dude, I don't want to tell this person because it's going to upset them. And then I end up telling them, and then it's like our relationship gets stronger, you know. And the trainings get, always get better. Like I, that's one thing I do too is I go to lunch with most of the, the kids I train as parents. I try and go go to lunch with them because I, I just need them to trust me, man. You know, it's it's their kids, dude. <laughs> it's the most important thing in their lives. Yeah. What is your end goal with uh, JJ Soccer Drills? And and again, James, thank you so much for being so transparent. I know it, yeah. it can't be easy talking about this, but uh, I mean, we really appreciate you. Um, sure. What What's your end goal with JJ Soccer Drills? Man, I don't even think I have an end goal to be honest. I mean, I have a goal. I want to. I want to say one day that I trained a player who played in the World Cup. And I think, you know, that's definitely a possibility with all the, with everything, all the resources that are here in Utah, dude, RSL Academy is one of the best facilities in the world, dude, in the, like, you know, and it's RSL Academy sending players to the top leagues in the world. Um, So I want to, you know, help develop a player who ends up, you know, in one of these big leagues, you know, and in a World Cup and on the women's side ends up, uh, you know in the Women's World Cup. Um, and then I just want to, you know, I just want to impact as many kids' lives as I can, you know, in a positive way. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big goal. Mm-hmm. That's a big goal. I mean, that's a mission statement, too. And yeah. Again, guardrails, right? That, 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 that in itself right there can get you pumped up every single day to want to wake up at 4 in the morning to go train these kids. It's just, yep. hey, I want to help out as many kids as possible. Mm-hmm. I want kids to come in and, potentially playing a World Cup and mm-hmm. go overseas. Oh, it's, it's definitely it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you 
how do you, do you see do you see the business of JJ JJ soccer growing bigger or are you liking are you liking to be more dialed in because yeah. there's other companies throughout the state throughout the country that they've almost tried to replicate yeah. JJ they've almost tried to replicate James mm-hmm. they've you know it's one trainer and now he tries to replicate himself mm-hmm. how do you foresee this business because it's one thing I really like about your model James mm-hmm. is it's 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 always you yeah it's always you working with these kids and there's mm-hmm. a, a little bit more of a selective yeah. hey uh, this kid shows huge potential mm-hmm. so I want to work with this kid because I want to enlighten one thing that's been going through my head quite often and, and especially since the convention mm-hmm. um, is, you know, the flame, like mm-hmm. the igniting the flame underneath the player is yeah. our biggest yeah. thing we need to do as college professional and, and for sure youth is enlightening is, you know, get the flame going. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see your future going in that way? Um, that's a tough one, man. Um, I think while I'm while I'm you know young enough and fit enough and healthy enough, I want to be in there training with these kids as much as possible. The only way I would ever trust someone else, you know, training kids under you know my name or under my business name, would be someone if they like trained with me their whole life, you know, since they were ten years old and they know every little thing I'm looking at. Then I'd be comfortable like, you know, hiring them and then you know, I guess expanding the business where we could train more kids. For me, it's like the, the balance is I want, to, I want to impact all these kids' lives and I want to be there with them while they're training as much as I can. So, you know, if I get more than, you know, what I already have, which is, you know, over 100 kids right now, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to always be there, you know. So I'm pretty happy with where it's at. And yeah, you should be. It's built a life that I can, for myself, that I'm, uh, you know, where I'm comfortable. And, uh... I wake up at 4 a.m. to train them, and I'm training them till 10 at night, you know. So it's that's it's awesome. so fun, dude. How old is your daughter now? She's two. Oh, that's awesome. She's two, man. Okay. Yep. That's too much fun, man. And how old are your kids? I got a I got a seven-year-old. I got a wow. five-year-old. That it's his birthday today. Jeez. And then uh, I got an eight-month-old. Wow. So, yeah. What's his name? Birthday one. Rudy. Happy birthday, Rudy. Rudy Mark Davis, <laughs> yeah. He never he never uh, introduces himself as just Rudy. It's yeah. always Rudy Mark Davis. He's, a, he's proud of you, He's man. a full name. He's a full name guy. Yeah, he's 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 my pride and joy. I love that kid. That's awesome. He's a stud. He's he's a little bit too much like me. He's <laughs> he's, a, he's a bulldog. So, I don't know anything from you guys. No, I think it's uh it's incredible. I've I've been around you for a while, James. We've played a little bit of indoor Together and Did but you just I, ref me I I ref indoor a little bit <laughs> I as well. I was wondering if that ever happened. Yeah, I, like, I, I did. I did. <laughs> nope, you didn't I imagine. I there it. too for yeah. a while. Yeah. So but I mean, I I mean it, it it just gives you a new perspective in the game does, when man, you do it. it. So, <laughs> um, but but it's this is fantastic Both. to be able to you know kind of look at your your youth and mm-hmm. and you know college and now as a professional. Um, trainer yeah. on what you're doing mm-hmm. so we all it, it's amazing to me it's amazing to look at this room here and just people you know how we grew up and where we came from and 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 to see that this beautiful game has brought us all together at this point and and yeah. and, and that's i think that's special yeah so i have a i have a couple things in my mind that we we're talking about a little bit because i'm from southern california okay. i actually coached at pats for the past three years before we oh, up here really? in may, in may. Wow. and so um well 
I always, because me and Mark always go back and forth about this, but what was the talent level back then, the difference between Utah and Southern California? What was the difference? Like, was that, is that reason why you moved to California? Is because of the better talent down there? Like, what was the main reason why you went down there to play for U16, U17? Man, it's, uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't say the talent, but my club team was, was amazing here. I mean, we competed with all those teams. I think it was more of just opportunities okay. for myself, you know. My Pats coach was the guy I was talking about who's an yeah. agent. Um, yeah, okay. Because, you know, he ended up, he's a big-time agent now. That's all he does. But he used to run Pats, and he's kind of, things were run different a little bit back, you know, a little bit different back then, whereas, you know, there, this mm -hmm. UCLA is like, come play for this club out here. You know, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, you, colleges still do that. UCSB does that with, yeah. you know, you, uh, Santa Barbara FC. They bring players from overseas okay. to come play for them so they can, Build them down here up. and then, you know, give yeah. them because one of my friends, Abu Gandhi, was in that program. Uh -huh. But I decided to play for UCLA and the last second decommitted from UCSB. Uh -huh. Now plays in MLS from Minnesota. Wow. But I just wanted to know because I'm from Southern California, come yeah. up here, you know, changing my whole mm -hmm. lifestyle from the California lifestyle to the Utah Central. lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But then my second question is why did you start JJ Soccer mm -hmm. Jules? Like, why, like, what, what, like, why, how did that start? How did the up and coming, like, how did that start? How did that start? Yeah. Like, Cause I just I, I'm brand new to the Utah and brand new yeah. starting hearing about you and mm -hmm. I want to know how that started. How did you get it going? So, man, I've been personal training people, you know, from the time I, time I was in high school. Yeah. You know, I you know what are friends, friends' kids or like my parents' yeah. friends' kids. You know, they you know they would, I'd come home and they'd want me to train them and it's just something that was like so natural to me because my dad and I'm sure you know this with your dad and you guys you know your, yeah. your parents or whoever trained you growing up is my dad was amazing at it and it's funny because he used to always tell me you know listen to me James because people are going to pay you a lot of money one day to, to, to learn this stuff yeah. you know he's like you know and every time I went to different you know patty door and that's the that's the last thing he'd say to me before I go out listen to them you know, people are going to pay you a lot of money one day, you know, to, to know this information. Um, so I just started training, you know, and then I actually uh, trained uh, one of the BYU players, and he ended up being a DOC, and, oh, wow. you know, yeah. and he kind of started just pushing play. Like, he's like, James, come on, like, train these people. And I was just like, ah, oh, I don't want to do soccer, you know, I got hurt. Yeah. And, I don't. and so that's when Debbie came along, and she... She, I worked with her about twice a week, and she made the national team. And then I, I kind of thought to myself, maybe I do yes. know what I'm doing here, yeah. you know, because I didn't really know at first. And then it just kind of built of from there. And I guess like for your training sessions and your mm -hmm. your training one on ones, mm -hmm. how do you decide what to do for that certain player? How do you decide? Yeah. Oh, this is a great session for this player, but not for this player. Mm -hmm. Just by evaluating them, or what's like what's what's your actual criteria off of that part? Yeah. Um, it's a lot different than team training okay, because yeah. it's not, I don't have like a set okay. thing of what we're going to do. Yeah. It's, I usually have a drill that I start off with them mm -hmm. and then whatever I see them need, like if they're not locking their ankle right, if they're yeah. not opening up their foot, if they're not opening, then I, my next drill will be something to get that, you know, okay. and then yeah. it's more of patchwork as an individual trainer, more than, than like a, where you got to plan it out, yeah, you have okay. tons of kids there, yeah, you know, of um, and so that's another reason it's hard for me to, you know, hire someone else if you're talking about because I basically just coach off the field, yeah. you know. There's yeah. – every kid is so different, man. And that kind of led into my next question. Sorry about asking a lot of questions right now. Uh, it's off more kind of like, you know, kind of the future. Like, mm -hmm. would you ever expand? That's the yeah. real question. It's, have you ever thought about expanding? Because you have so many 
you, know, yeah. you have so many kids that want to work with you. Mm-hmm. Would you ever thought about, I mean, you know, I want to expand nationally. I'm going to start opening up yeah. my own, you know, nationally stuff. So yeah. I think if I could do it in the right way, I would, yeah. you know, I, soccer is the only thing that I'm like super OCD about. Like everything has yeah. to be perfect. And sure. You guys are the same way. It has to be like that with the, you know, a top 10 program, but you know, in order to get these girls who are already at an elite level even better than they already are, it just has to be so specific. And so to grow, it's like maybe I would run camps or something yeah. like that. But then it's still, you know, at least I, I'm getting to these players. I've done it before. But um, it's tough, man. You know, yeah. uh, RSL tried to bring me in for, you know, they wanted me to come, you know, bring my company in there. and. It's just so hard, you know, pushing away control when when it's something that you've built and it's your passion. I mean, it's been a ten year project for me, and I'm always wanting to do new things and always expanding. So I'm sure this isn't the only thing I'm going to be doing, you know, for the rest of my life. But um, man, I would love to expand. I guess I I guess I can answer that. Well, it makes sense because you're the product. Yeah, it's not like you, you know, it's not like you're going through somebody else, like. You know all these dropshipping businesses and all stuff like that. You're no. you're putting out your own product, which is yeah. yourself. Yeah. And the question is, how can you expand, with through other people of yourself? No, it's how hard it's that tough. is to do. It's tough, man. Yeah. The only way I can see it is like someone I train. You know, of like course. you were saying earlier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, I mean, you could make you could be a millionaire here if you just yeah. pawn people off to other people. Yeah. But that's not really what I like to do. That's good. James, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming down. I know the, the drive was probably a little bit icy this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, traffic was bad. Um, love you, man, and I appreciate you, and I'm really looking forward to continuing this friendship for many more decades, and, you know, I really wish you the best, and I can't wait to see what JJ does, and and uh, who knows, maybe I'm going to send my, my son Dax to come train with you soon, and... and it, man. See how he does, and you know, he's a hard worker and a grinder, so that could be fun. Sweet. Well, thank you for having me here. And I just want to say, you know, it's really incredible what you've done here, dude. It's you've built a program that is nationally recognized, not just, I mean, not just locally, and it's more recognized nationally than any college here, I think, on the men's side, you know, women's side too. I'm getting, I have college coaches all the time. You know, texting me and I've sent you, I forward you some. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's Division One, top ten programs, top twenty programs wanting your players, dude. And that's just, that's just a reflection of you, you know. And I know that when you coached at BYU Hawaii, you were, you know, freaking sleeping in the car some of the nights <laughs> and going out to practice the next yeah. night, the next day. And it's like, those are the coaches. You're the type of coach that our game needs, and all you guys, you guys have just done an unreal job here and for the state of utah you guys are just shining man and just keep it going dude thank you man thank that you. means the world to me thank you james of course of course thanks for having me here, man. awesome thanks again for listening don't forget to subscribe and we'll catch you next week on another episode of get stuck in